Good morning, church, uh, and welcome. Uh, we welcome you this morning. Um, it's so good that you can join us online uh, for this service. Uh, unfortunately, we're unable to meet in person today, but uh, it's still good to be together in one way or another. Uh, a couple of announcements for today. Prayer time. The prayer time in the function room is always the first Sunday of the month, and the first Sunday of the month is next Sunday, the 6th of June. Uh, so it's always good to come and pray together. So if you're able and if we are able uh, next Sunday, uh, that will be happening at 6pm to 7pm in the function room. Uh, the second announcement we have for today is the pleasant Sunday afternoon, which is on June 13th at 2.30pm in the function room. Uh, that's a special time of singing together. Um, there's going to be some items uh, from some people you may or may not know. Uh, so that'll be a really great time together. Um, we look forward to that. So I'm just going to read the Bible reading for this morning and then I'll pray before I invite Paul up. Bible reading for this morning is Joshua 1 verses 1 to 11. <clears throat> After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses... Your territory will expand from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses, all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving you for your own. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you now and we thank you for all uh, your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for all of the blessings that we have through you. We're just uh, mindful, Lord, that um, the world around us is still chaotic and um, rather unusual and but Lord nothing takes you by surprise so we lean into you and we trust uh, the steps that you have for us in the the days and the weeks to come Lord um, and we just yeah pray for our community and our state and our country Lord and we just um, 
pray for those in leadership in those places, but also that we may uh, be your hands and feet here in Kerrang and to the people around us, Lord. And uh, yeah, we just pray for this morning, pray for your word as it comes through Paul, Lord, um, that your spirit would do a work in us this morning. In your name, amen. Okay, good morning, everyone. And uh, I guess some of you were expecting Graham Can to be here this morning, but as Alicia said, with uh, COVID and all that type of thing, he's shut down in Melbourne. And uh, so I'm um, filling in for him this morning. We're going to try and get him here next Sunday, if not in li- on live. Otherwise, we might be able to get him on uh, on Zoom or something like that. So we'll just see how that goes. Thanks, Alicia, for uh, the song and for the, the Bible reading, which I want to talk about uh, as we go through uh, this morning. But I want, to in- I want to entitle the message today, Let's Dream, Let's Dream. You know, going back some weeks ago, I encouraged a group of uh, different people uh, to come together and to brainstorm through some ideas of, of just how we could reach our community, people in our community, plus those who come through things like playgroup and craft group and, and other groups and the youth and all those types of things. How do we connect with them that's not people that would normally come inside of a church? And they came up with many varied ways of doing that. Now, it was labelled as Let's Dream. So it's kind of what I'm talking about uh, today. And the verse that I chose on the night was a, a, a well-known verse, but I've kind of put it into a Paul Downey version of uh, Proverbs 29.18, where it says, Where there is no dream, no revelation of God and his word, the people continue to sleep. What does it mean to dream? What does it mean to dream? Now, I'm not talking about going to bed at night and and dreaming like I did last night, as a matter of fact. But what does it mean to dream and visualize something that you believe comes from God, particularly? And so I want to talk about two dreams of two people, just to bring it into context. And they had big a big dream. A young misfit was named Sparky and loved to dream and loved to draw. And for Sparky, school was, well, it was like what, what I experienced. It was just impossible. He, he didn't like it whatsoever. He failed every subject right through in, in up to the eighth grade. Then in high school, he flunked physics, Latin, algebra, and even English. He didn't do any better at sport either, although he did manage to make the school golf team but promptly lost the only important match of the season. Sparky was socially awkward. Although he did manage to to do some things, but he was socially awkward. He was astonished if any one of his classmates ever said hello to him. And, you know, dating was just not on the agenda whatsoever. It was totally out of the question. Sparky was what people would call a loser. And everybody knew it. Somehow he, he learned to roll with it. He, he learned even to be content in that, which is interesting, isn't it? But drawing was important to Sparky. And he was proud of his artwork. Here too, he would again suffer rejection. Even his year school book refused to put any of his drawings into the school book to identify who he was. He was turned down by Disney for his drawings. The more losses for a loser. Sparky decided, though, to write his own story. 
a story told through cartoons. And in these cartoons, he described himself as a little boy who was a loser, a chronic underachiever. And that little boy in the cartoon who was rejected again and again and again is now known worldwide as Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown, the Peanuts comic strip. And it helped Charlie Schultz go from misfit to sensation. Why? Because he had a dream. He had a dream. What's your dream? What's your dream for the rest of this year in 2021 2021 to 2022? What's your dream? Monty Roberts was the son of an itinerant horse trainer who worked hard training horses and and at many farms, stables and, and ranches around America. His high school career was continually interrupted because of of his work schedule. He couldn't get to school most of the time. And as a senior student, he was asked to write a paper of what he wanted to do when he grew up. Monty wrote a lengthy paper describing his goal of someday owning a magnificent horse ranch. He drew a diagram. This diagram was of a 200-acre dream ranch, detailing the location of the buildings, stables, tracks, and a 4,000-square-foot house. A great deal of his heart went into the project. A few days later, Monty received his paper back from his teacher with a big F written right across the paper, right across the paper. And when Monty asked for the reason for the F, the teacher responded, this is an unrealistic dream, particularly for a boy like you. You have no resources. You have no money. You have to buy the land, breed the stock and, and pay fees. Among other things, there's no way known you could ever do it. The teacher went on to say, if you will rewrite your paper with more realistic goals, I will consider the mark I gave you on the paper. Well, Monty thought about that all week. Long, hard week, he thought about it. Finally, he turned in the same paper, making no changes to it all, and informed his dream-stealing teacher, you can keep your F and I'll keep my dream. Oh, I love that. I love that. Years later, Monty's dream became a reality. He now lives on a 200-acre ranch and has his high school F marked paper framed on a wall right across over the fireplace so he can see it every day and anybody that comes to visit him can see him. Why? Why? Because Monty had a dream. He had a dream. Well, this group that I was talking about earlier came together. And they wanted to brainstorm. And I gave them permission to to say, whatever you think, if you were given a million dollars, how would you do something within the context of church and community? How would you you put together your dream? I'm placed up on the screen for some of you, some of those ideas like housing, sports chaplaincy, a cafe, even portable, health and well-being, men's shed, Kids campsite, after school care, toy shop and gifts, community garden, childcare, church bus, 
play groups, et cetera, and, and it can go on. It went on and on and on, and we've put them up on the board so that you can see some of those. Two areas that I believe that we've been, as a group, we've been able to pinpoint, and as a leadership, we've been able to pinpoint for urgent action has been a portable cafe and also a community garden. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Alicia to come up and she's going to talk to us about how this dream came together for her and for others involved in it. What does it mean to have a portable cafe? Come up, let's get, grab a, a microphone for you. Come over this way and you can, you can talk. I'll get out of the way. All right, awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Um, yeah, so Paul has just asked me to come this morning and share a little bit more about the idea of having a portable uh, cafe. And um, I suppose for myself, um, I have been a part of a cafe that's run and I've been employed as a worker there. Um, and thinking back, uh, as we think about what it could look like for us to use this as a means of reaching out to our community, I can definitely say um, that in my job as a you know a barista or someone behind a um, taking orders and those sorts of things, you actually begin to make relationships with the people that are coming uh, for a coffee or food and all of those sorts of things. Um, so I suppose for um, us to invest in uh, looking at what a portable uh, cafe might look like for us, um, Krang Baptist Church, to use um, for our community and for our programs and um, to reach out to people, um, there's a real sense that it, as much as uh, for me standing behind a coffee machine puts a barrier between me and the person, it actually takes away a lot more um, of a barrier for them to reach me and for me to reach them um, in terms of, you know, I can just ask their name, what type of coffee would you like? Um, and then from there, as uh, time goes on and as you uh, serve them more and more, uh, you kind of get to discover a bit more about who they are and it breaks, breaks down that, um, that barrier, I suppose, that we can feel sometimes um, it in uh, reaching out to people because I know for myself uh, sometimes you feel inadequate uh, being able to um, reach people. Um, and I've felt that at times, um, being young and in ministry, um, reaching some of the older generation to have conversations or even um, people in different life stages. I've uh, felt it difficult at times to uh, step past that barrier and actually reach out to those people. Um, but I have found that when you uh, have something like uh, coffee to be able to serve, a good coffee to be able to bless them with, then uh, it really breaks that down. And I just wanted to uh, – I left my phone over there – but I just wanted to mention the verses in uh, – Matthew 25, where it talks about um, uh, how Jesus is speaking. Um, It's talking about, um, yeah, when we get to heaven and uh, God says about um, having, you know, someone who reaches out and you give them a drink because they're thirsty and you give them food because they're hungry and you um, care for them or you know, help those in captivity, imprisonment and all of those sorts of things. And I think um, that really is our call um, and it's and it, there shouldn't be those barriers. And so I think things like um, practical, making coffee for someone and different things, it's such a good way to break down those barriers and be able to feed 
the hungry and the thirsty and, yeah, really step out for Jesus. So, yeah. Just a, a very quick question yeah. before you go. Um, one of the things that sparks something in my mind, in my heart, as we were sitting down talking about this possibility was that uh, the first time you went to playgroup, mm. uh, you felt quite intimidated. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that. Yeah, so one of the first times uh, I went to playgroup, um, you know, I walk in the room and I am, well, I'm probably not a lot younger than some of the mums there, but I'm in a different life stage. And so I walk in and I'm kind of this random person walking in and I'm more comfortable with the two-year-olds that are there, um, you know. <laughs> so, and I felt it quite intimidating to reach out and, you know, introduce myself to the mums. And lots of them were like, oh, what, you know, what's she doing here? And I found out, you know, weeks later that there were some mums that were like, oh, what does she do here? Like, why was she at playgroup and that sort of stuff so um but then as the weeks went on Hayley uh invited me to come and just use my home coffee machine to make some hot drinks for them and yeah in those couple of weeks that I was there like the it was incredible like the barriers just broke down and um I was able to start conversations with people and they're like oh what does that mean for your job like what do you do um and why do you do that um why would you (laughs) want to hang out with kids you know four days of the week uh that sort of stuff um and so yeah just really opened up an opportunity to share so yeah Thanks, Alicia. Appreciate that. Now I'm going to invite uh, Brendan to come up. Brendan's one of those extroverts, as you know, um, and he's kind of happy of COVID because there's no congregation here this morning. So, Brendan, I'm going to invite you to come up because I want you to talk to us a little bit about uh, the community garden um, that he's had a dream of for quite a while. So come up, Brendan. uh, Grab the microphone off Alicia there. And come talk us a little bit about your dream. I know you could go on and on and on about your dream because it's a big one, but just see if you can focus in on that for us. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, Paul sprung it on me midweek. <laughs> can I come and uh, share this idea that's been floating around? And um, it's a tough gig to sell a community garden because, number one, most of you switched off at community garden have probably lost interest already. Um, number two, probably my nerves bringing this forward, I'm petrified. Um, number one, public speaking. Number two, um, what I see God doing in this space. So being that I was so nervous about coming up in front of your people, thank you, COVID, that <laughs> it's just us. But one of the things I was going to do because I was nervous and to try and get you um, excited about the concept of the community garden is I was going to ask you um, a bit of audience participation to raise your hand if you did or enjoyed doing any of these things. And uh, one of them was, I was going to ask you if you like prayer. Now, you're not here but to raise your hand, but I, I imagine fist pumping and high-fiving and everybody getting excited. Yeah, we all love prayer. And I was going to ask who enjoys building things, making things. And I imagined 10 or 15 people half putting their hand up because they're like me and they're a little bit shy, us builder type of people, a bit more reserved. I was going to ask you if you enjoyed gardening and I'd get a few sweet smiles because gardeners always seem to be sweet and friendly. I was going to enjoy, ask you if you enjoy giving, if you enjoy eating, if you enjoy drinking tea or coffee. Um, I was going to ask you if you enjoy talking that was predominantly for the ladies. 
I was going to ask you if you're good listening, and that was predominantly for the married men. So we've all, I hope, raised our hands to one or many of those things. And I, one of the reasons I come to this conclusion, because I see a feeling or an, a narrative of fear amongst us in the Western church, because it's not all going our way. Governments are making decisions for a lost society, and and we are a bit fearful, but we, we're not meant to be fearful. We're not meant to be cowardly. That's not who we are. We win. And I've got this conviction that we need to be the authentic reflection of Jesus Christ and his teachings, um, living by his example of love. And um, you see, a community garden is as much about community as it is about garden, even though they are complementary. Now the vision is, and you might need to shut your eyes to imagine it, but just out behind me here, we have a car park and a big patch of lawn. And the vision is that we scrap that. We keep a bit of the lawn, but the idea is to scrap the car park. And if you can close your eyes and imagine it, standing on the front footpath there and... I see a fence, something a bit different, a bit architectural, but a fence to keep the little kitties in. But through all that fence, if you can imagine it, it might be tomatoes and it might be pumpkins and it might be cucumbers or in winter it might be snow peas, but reaching out almost onto the footpath. I can, I can visualise it so anybody that walks past sees it. And in the middle there might be a gate with some sort of welcoming sign so that everybody knows they're welcome. And you go through that gate and there might be a big arbour or pergola or something beautiful so we can sit in the shade in summer or the sun in winter and raised garden beds everywhere so that they're accessible to absolutely everybody, all overflowing with veggies and flowers and just a lovely surround. In amongst there, there might be some seating so there's nice places for people to sit and be. Who knows where it could go? There might be a fire pit, a water feature. There could be compost bins. There could be a chook shed. Who knows? But just a nice area to be. But also an area which could um, provide just an abundance. And in there somewhere, the way I envisage it, is a table or a bench or something under a roof where there might be people from home even bring eggs a, you can get veggies and fruit, there could be flowers, there could be seeds, there could be plants, but just a table where people who need it can take it. How we can show tangible love and feel a physical need for people who really need it. So if you can imagine that, whether you like gardening or not, it is a beautiful space to be. Now imagine that with a vibrant community amongst it, in it, around it whose goal was to love each other and to see more connection between all the generations from the youngest to the oldest and everybody in between. A community where Christ's example of loving the poor, the rich, the margins and the sick are on full display for everybody to see. Where good food is free and great people will help you when you need it the most. Um, I... 
I can hear the list of reasons why this will fail and the reason I hear the list so loudly is because I've used them all myself and I've tried to justify them to myself why I shouldn't bring this to you. I'm too busy, I'm too sore, I'm too tired, I'm too sick. Work's flat out, the kids are crazy. Like Alicia said to us the other week, our hands are full. They're overflowing. Um, one thing that challenged me, I went to a funeral in Bannockburn of Haley's grampy and there was a woman probably a couple of years younger than me and she had two little twin boys running around with our daughter Matilda, probably four at the time, and she had a backpack on with a one or two-year-old and she was heavily pregnant and she served us for about three hours food. And I said to her the first time I seen her, let me take the tray. I can do that. You sit down and rest. Big smile, happy as though, no, 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 I'm happy to do this for you. Like if, if anybody had an excuse to sit down and rest, it was that lady. We need to lead. Oh, I, that challenges me. Um, so I'll say to the younger generation, and I'm going to classify that as anybody under 70, <laughs> stand up. We need to stand up. And I'm saying that for me as well as anybody else. Um, and the older generation, you've got as much or more of a, a role to play in this as what any of the rest of us do. Um, so as a younger generation, I implore you to stand up and take on some of these ideas like Leisha and I and everybody else in the group. Um, and we will make mistakes, but please let us do that. Um, to the older generation, I can hear some of you saying, I'm too old for this, I can't help. Um, like Alicia said, in different ways to break down barriers, um, us young people need you. And just imagine yourself in that garden, sitting there or whatnot, and it's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, like Alicia said with the pro group, play group, they're an intimidating group of women to, to, to go into, but they need you. And can you imagine sitting in the garden and all the kids, like my little son Darcy and all his mates, belting around the corner and coming up to you, what are you doing, can we help? That's just the way they are. And if you're picking tomatoes, most of them won't make it to the bucket. The kids will eat them and the ones that do make them in the bucket, they won't be right. They'll infuriate you if they're picking, you're picking weeds, they'll pick the plants. But they're fantastic and they might take you away from your pains and your ailments. And their mother might come up and she could be struggling and you can be there. Um, so I propose that we do some of these things together. Um, I propose with the garden that we take a tiny step just out the back, just across the footpath. We're still safe in our grounds, but we need to reach out. And I'll propose we go just across the back footpath and we take a giant leap of faith. It's a little step, but it's a giant leap of faith. Um, we don't want to program... Um, we don't want to have to have rosters. Uh, we don't need committees. Um, we're not even going to try and ask the church for funds. 
Um, we just want people, all of us, to use our combined skills and abilities, whether that be um, with the portable cafe, whether it be in the community garden or the likes. Um, I dream of us using our combined skills and abilities and resources to reach and go grow closer together. Um, I see the garden as like a, a hub in a wheel and all the spokes all the way around running out are all the expressions of love that come out of that and of um, being authentic reflections of Christ. Um, I see the spokes being people making coffee and showing love. I see the spokes being people giving meals to playgroup mothers who might have had a baby or have got sick kids or need a hand. I see the spokes being us giving food to people who can't afford to feed their families. I see the spokes being genuine, just relationships. And it goes on and on and on. Um, So I suppose the challenge is if you're interested, it will only happen if you're interested. This is not being thrust upon you by leadership. It's not something they say we have to do. It's something that some of us desperately want to do and hear God's calling it. I ask you, if you want to do it, come and join us. So those, those things I said to raise your hand for earlier, if you like praying, we need you to come with us. If you like building things, we'd love you to come with us. If you like gardening, we really, really need you. If you like eating, talking, listening, making food, making coffee, we need you. Um, I'm petrified to do it, but I'm willing to take the leap and go way out of my comfort zone if you're willing to come with me and with us. Um, so if you're, you, you're too young, you're too old, you're too shy, you've failed before, you feel broken, you're not spiritual enough, um, I'm with you. And just come with us. And if you want to do it, come and see me. It won't happen without you. Um, but if you want to do it, let's do it together. Come talk to me and um, we'll see what we can do. Beautiful. Thanks, Brendan. I really appreciate that and uh, the way in which you've, as you say, stepped out of your comfort zone and uh, moved into an area of, uh, of real faith. You know, faith sees the invisible. That's what faith is. It sees the invisible and it believes for the actual incredible and receives the impossible. That's interesting, isn't it? And Hebrews 11:1 one says, and without faith... It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him and earnestly seek him. You know, as I thought about this whole subject of faith and, and dreaming, it's, it's much bigger than, than I imagined. But my mind went back to that passage in, in Joshua chapter, chapter 1 where Elisha read to us earlier on where I want to draw some thoughts from because I believe as the Spirit of God ministers to, to each and every one of us, we may have a greater sense of his presence. doesn't matter whether you're in the garden serving coffee or praying or whatever it might be, we can get that sense of the presence of God, particularly with us in this transitional period, this transitional period of dreaming for the future. 
You know, we're, we're not dreaming about what can we do today. We're dreaming about, God, what is it that you want for us in the future? Even as we go through the transitional period of looking for a, a new senior pastor to take on this role, and we're believing that he'll also be able to dream. I have no doubt in believing that we as a fellowship are in for some exciting days. I have no doubt about that at all. But first of all, we must continue to be on the move, keep dreaming and not allowing ourselves to, to wander in the wilderness. I guess for some in this last 12 months or so, you feel like you've been in the wilderness, whether it be due to COVID or whether it be due to stuff that just happens in life, you feel in the wilderness. And Isaiah 43, 19 says, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And that's what faith says. I'm starting to see that God is doing something new. Whether it be a community garden, whether it be a cafe, whatever it might be, God is saying, I want you to keep moving. I want you to keep moving. The book of Joshua is a tremendous book about victory. And as God did it then, and as, as we've been praying even this last week, I trust for those who have taken up the challenge, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again. Start in me. Let the fire fall. And Joshua is one of those who in faith stepped out, knowing that his leader had just died. And he stepped out in faith. They'd left Egypt with all its hardships and struggles. Sound familiar for some? the struggles, the hardships, but had not yet entered into the promised land. And all the things their leader, Moses is dead now. Did God give up on the goals for them? Did God give up on the dream that he had for them, for the setback? No, not at all. And as I look at verse 12, there is the firstly the challenge of the unfulfilled dream. And Moses had, even leaders, Pastors, others have experienced those times of unfulfilled dreams. And we don't, want to, we don't want to allow people who have come up with what they understand to be God, whether it be a cafe or, or a, um, a, a community a garden or whatever, we don't want to in five years' time say, oh, we tried that, but no, 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 we couldn't get people into, involved in it. And so we have that unfulfilled dream. So here we find this great leader called Moses that everybody was saying we can't do without. And the whole place is going to fall apart. He's dead. Have you ever heard that being spoken? <laughs> I have. Oh, such and such is leaving. Oh, the whole place will fall apart because they were so good at what they did. Just remember, there will always always be a Joshua. We are not indispensable, folks. I don't care who it is, whether it's me or you or whoever. We are not indispensable. God is bigger than that. And the whole dream of the promised land could have easily have died with Joshua if he hadn't have taken it up. But God doesn't give up on his dream and goals for us as easily as that. Even here at Kerrang Baptist Church, God hasn't given us up. 
because some pastor or good leader has left or even some past goals haven't been fulfilled. He hasn't given up on us. He still loves us with an everlasting love. He still is looking for that that opportunity to pour out his spirit upon us and upon individuals. You know, I can just imagine the children of Israel standing around totally depressed, disillusioned, and many of them grumbling about the hardships and sighing for the good old days that were never going to come back again. And quite frankly, I don't want them to either. You see, church, we need to be, as I've said previously, to be enablers of the future, not embalmers of the past. And as I look back, most of the good old days weren't that good anyway. I think it would be be far easier to say that these people were facing a crisis. You know, one of the greatest impediments to the ongoing purpose in every age, including the church, are people who live with their bodies in this age and their minds way back in another, who face the problems of today with the ideas and traditions of yesterday. Folks, we don't live in the 1950s or the 1920s anymore. We are living in the 2021 age and it's different. The people of God, the church, have no business getting bogged down in the past. No business at all getting bogged down in the past. In fact, Paul makes it very clear when he says in Philippians 4.13, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting them. Stop harping on them. Stop reminiscing about it. And he says, I press towards those things that are ahead. And that's faith. That's faith. And as Christians, we're either moving ahead in our Christian lives or we're going backwards. There's no standing still, I'm sorry. The Christian faith not only accepts change as, as, as a part of the Christian purpose for life, but it demands it. It demands that we continually, continually change. As Christians, this is part of our mandate, and that is to change things, including the world. And if spending some money on a coffee machine to reach people, so be it. If carving up some piece of precious land to start a community garden to reach people for the kingdom of God, so be it. See, we don't want to hold on to the past. We want to say, God, what have you got for us for the future? The problem that is facing the church, particularly in Australia, is that the world is changing us to what it wants us to be. And we're fallen for it. That's why he said to Paul and Silas that these are the two men that turn the world upside down. Is that what our community is saying about us? Man, that church at Kerrang Baptist, they are turning us upside down. Maybe we should be saying the right way up, I don't know. Jesus became real to Paul and Silas, so much so that nothing, nothing could keep them silent. Nothing could stop them from attempting things for God. And as you know, we are in a world of change and in a time of change. And if we have nothing to offer but some moaning and wailing or nostalgia for good old days that can never return, then we're never going to be agents for the new age that is trying desperately through turmoil to be born. 
One of the challenges that came through at our, our Baptist Nourish conference this last week, which I had the privilege of going to, and it was coming from the younger ones who were speaking, not the older ones, was that we need older people. We need the older ones of our congregation, of our society, our community to teach us, to mentor us, to pass the baton on. The problem we have in church is that sometimes we get involved in an office in the church and we hold it for 40 years. And we're not training the young ones to come up and to take it over for me to step back. Why should be the... What should be the mission of the church at a time of change? Well, to strike out across the Jordan. In other words, getting out of the wilderness in which the church finds itself in today and cross the river, the Jordan, to the promised land. In other words, into the place where God wants us to be. Where does God want us to be? Where does God want you to be? That is the place where God wants us to be. And folks, there are many giants in the land. I want to tell you, if you think, Brandon and Alicia, that there's not going to be some giants as you face what your dream is, I want to tell you something, you're in for a shock. There will be the enemy that will try to to come in and say, you can't do that. We've tried that 20 years ago. It never worked. That's the giant. He'll try to stop. The Bible says, as I was with them, Joshua, so I will be with you. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, God doesn't change. Not like we do anyway. Change our minds every five minutes. But Jesus said, I'm the same. As I was with Moses and Joshua, so I will be with you. That's his promise. Hallelujah. Thirdly, we need to pitch our tents alongside a changing and and moving community or society. Not simply to be in a holy huddle or to be separated from them as as some love to do and others would like us to be. Ah, But to be where they live to be where they are hurting. And that's what I love about what we've been talking about this morning in terms of the coffee and the, and the garden is that you'll have the opportunity of sitting with people who are hurting, who are saying in their own hearts, I've got no hope. You see, sometimes people only know that we go out on a Sunday morning and we're kind of dressed a little bit differently maybe to what we are during the week let alone believe in whom we believe. Church, our message is life-changing. It gives hope. That's why cafe and community gardens are so important. It gives us the opportunity to get beside people in a non-threatening way and simply share life with them. Older ones with younger ones, serving coffee, planting seeds. I think I could plant potatoes really easy because you just have to throw seed everywhere and they grow anyway. But I'm not a gardener. I've got five, ten black fingers, not green ones. But I can do something else like you can. Fourthly, our mission is to be pioneers of the ongoing purpose of God. We need to be breaking new ground. 
new ground for the kingdom of God, sowing fresh seed wherever we go or pitch our tents where they are. This is the call of the church today. We are in such a changing world. Our thinking needs to change. But I want to say this very clearly. The gospel never changes. But the wrapping that we put it in needs to change. The wrapping that I was able to use 20 years ago when I was preaching is different to the wrapping that I'm using today. It doesn't belong to the church of yesterday, but it belongs to the present one of the future. The gospel is the same. What does verse 2 say? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Kerrang Baptist, I think it's time to arise. It's time to arise. It's time to get out of our sleep. When we're talking about these areas for service, we're not talking about programs, and I think Brendan made that really clear. We're not interested in more programs. Programs kind of, they bind you up to a large degree. We are talking about doing life together. Giving a half hour of your time, maybe an hour of your time. Now, I can hear some say, yeah, but I can't talk to people like that, Ken. And Brendan's given you a whole lot of other excuses that we, that we use as well. And that's okay. But you may be able to show somebody how to plant tomatoes or potatoes. Maybe you could help serve by helping those who serve the coffee. Maybe you could even learn how to be a barista and make coffee. This is what I call pitching our tents alongside of a world that is saying we have no hope. Well, church, we have the message of hope. And Jesus came into this world, sent by the Father, died upon a cross for the sin of the world, was placed in a tomb, but he conquered it. He conquered it. He rose again on the third day and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father and he said, I will send my spirit who will dwell within you and he will empower you. You see, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him through faith will not perish, but will have ever Lasting life. Now, there may be many ways in which you can pitch your tent. We are simply giving you a couple of ideas that Alicia and Brendan have dreamed about, and there's others who have got this dream starting to stir up as well, and we'll come back to it at another time. But if you feel stirred this morning to say, this is something that I think that I can, I can do, I can get involved in, I can use my talents, my giftings, then talk to Brendan, talk to Alicia, talk to myself, ring us during the week or, or whatever. But let's get involved in something. They would love your input. Maybe you've got some suggestions that could help to, as they build this dream. I know that Max is bu busily building uh, the cart for the, uh, for the uh, portable cafe and it's kind of half finished at the moment. I hope I have a, uh, a picture of that for you maybe next week. But there are many ways that you can come up with what God has been laying on your heart that you've been dreaming about to reach a community that is searching for hope.
Now, over this past week, I trust that some of you have taken up the challenge of praying that prayer that Billy Graham prayed back in Wesley Cottage as a, as a student, Bible student. Lord, do it again. Do it again. Let the fire fall, Lord. Let the river, let the river start to flow again in my life, in the life of, of our church here, and, and also the life of and the churches of those around us as well. Let it flow. Let it flow. On the screen in a moment, you will see a song that Alicia sent to me this week by, by Hillsong entitled, Lord, Send Revival. Send Revival. The link is up there. Or simply go to YouTube and type in, Lord, send revival, and it'll come up. And I want you to listen to that if you can at the end of this time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege and the opportunity we've had this morning and listening to Alicia and to Brendan share part of their dream, Lord. And I know it's only a part of their dream. But Lord, I, I know when I heard it, I got excited because I believe, Lord Jesus, you're about to do something in the midst of your people. And Lord, I pray that you'll bring it on. You'll bring it on big time, Lord Jesus. I pray, our God, for people in our congregation who think that oh, we, I can't do anything. Well, here's, a, here's an opportunity. And Lord, I guess there are people who are thinking, oh, I just haven't got the gifts. Well, maybe you could do a lot of other things as well. Maybe you've got a dream. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just touch people's lives, even this morning, Lord, as they listen to this, uh, to this uh, uh, cast. Oh, God, touch our lives afresh. Lord, send your fire. Send your fire, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.